evening. Uh, welcome back to Driving Theology, a podcast uh, recorded while I drive in my car on the way home uh, from my work as an English teacher. Uh, this is, uh, I don't know, somewhere around my 14th or 15th, maybe, uh, recording. Today, um, I thought I'd talk about a few books that I've been reading. I think I've already alluded to possibly the book of A More Christ-Like God, which is by Jerzak, uh, I want to say Brad Jerzak, but I think I'm, no, it's, I don't remember now. Anyway, I'm sure I've got his last name right, which is Jerzak. Uh... And the other book I'm reading, uh, that's called A More Christ-Like God by Jerzak. The other book I'm reading, and I'm totally going to forget who it's by, um, is a book I'm actually reading and listening to it called Unoffendable. Unoffendable. Uh, And this is a very interesting book. It's the idea... So this... It's called, and uh, it's a book about the idea that Christians should strive to be, and uh, can be, and, and should strive to be, free of offense, free of, of the feeling of being offended, free of anger. Uh, and so he goes through the book and outlines his reasons why uh, he feels like the Christian should be above anger. That, that anger uh, is not something we should be about. Uh, and he would even say that there is no such thing as righteous indignation, at least on the human side of things. I think he does, I'm not finished with the book yet, but I think he probably does support some kind of uh, righteous anger for God, which I'm not sure I would exactly agree with either. I agree that the Bible talks about God being um, angry sometimes. Um, but this is where the Jerzak book comes in, A More Christ-Like God. He, he, he has some interesting ideas about why God might come across as angry and how that might be a human way of looking at the way God views sin or views our disobedience. Uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, these are both great books, and, and I'm in the middle of both of them, and I know that's not maybe a uh, very good way to read, but I really do think that they complement and connect on many, uh, at many different junctions and on many levels. And uh, so far, I can recommend both books, not having finished both of them. Uh, but still, I, I, I think they're very worthwhile Uh, And even if you believe that the Christian can have righteous anger, I think most of of us would agree that Christians are exercising too much of it, at the very least. Uh, And uh, just one of his points, you know, and I think this this is almost a given for most people if you think about it, but what anger is, is when you feel like you are right, and someone else is 
someone else is wrong. Uh, and it's that feeling of, uh, you know, that you are infallible, that you, you know what's right and that somebody else doesn't know what's right. And he would say, we really have no reason for this because we have a horrible track record of being wrong. In other, words, in other words, we've been wrong so much, how in the world can anybody be so confident in their view as to get angry and put down someone else's opinion or view? Uh, and again, that's that's a pretty interesting standpoint, you know. Uh, that's true. We, we are wrong often. We have been wrong a lot. What gives us... Uh, the slightest inkling that we're right this time. Um, so, yeah, that, that's just one peek into um, the uh, unoffendable book. The idea of of us being angry. Really, a more Christ-like God, if you could, you know, if you could come up with a theme for that, a lot of what that deals with is the anger of God, anger from God's side. And the Jerzak, uh, that, that's the Jerzak book, that's the uh, a more Christ-like God. And then Undefendable deals a lot more with the anger of the believer, the anger of the Christian, and what to do with that. Uh, and both both books are, are completely different styles, I would say. But again, I think it's a great thing to look at, you know, what what is anger? What does it do to the believer? What does it do to the relationship between the believer and God and believers and other believers or other other people? Uh, and I think we'll find that anger is a very destructive force. Uh, it's it's the face, it's the uh, you know emotion side of hate, I guess. Um, and yeah, just a lot of finding a lot of great quotes in both of those books. Uh, and even though I have not mastered <laughs> my anger, uh, it still comes out at times. Uh, I do see that, you know, we need to be, we need to be really sure that God's okay with our anger, no matter how right we think we are. Is God okay with our anger? And the second part of that is, is God an angry God? I think a lot of people see God as an angry, an angry God. Jerzak makes the point that to see Jesus is to see God. Therefore, whatever, whatever attributes we see in Jesus, God has the same attributes. Uh, and there is nothing that we don't see of God in Jesus. Uh, and he, he brings up some great, uh, great quotes uh, from John uh, about, I only do what I see my father doing. Jesus said, he shows me everything he does uh, because I am his son and I only do what he does. Uh, and that, that in and of itself is pretty convincing that Jesus is an absolute perfect view 
of who God is. In other words, you can know all there is to know about God by knowing Jesus. And this brings your relationship with Jesus to a very important place. Uh, in fact, there, there would be no more important relationship than the relationship be between us and Jesus. Because Jesus is the summary, the summation of not only all creation, but also the God of creation. Um, Alright, so back to anger. Uh, anger goes hand in hand with accusation and defensiveness. Uh, I know for me, anytime I'm accused and I feel like I'm wrongly accused, no matter what it is, that really gets my ire up. That, that really um, brings to the surface anger for me. Uh, and perhaps it's because I'm very insecure as far as all that goes. You know, there's only one person that knows myself better than I do, and that's Jesus. Uh, and, and so when somebody accuses me, I think it I think it brings back to my face or, or brings uh, brings out in the open for me that I'm not perfect and it, it helps me remember all of my faults and the fact that I'm really trying to do my best and yet there are certain parts of my life that I have not mastered and so that that almost being cornered kind of position really brings out anger and unfortunately, the person who gets that, uh, the worst parts of me is my wife. And I think she would say that I probably get the worst parts of, or, or she gets the worst parts of me. Wait, or yeah, I get the worst part of her as well. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to think of any relationship that's more hot and cold than uh, that of of spouses um, and also spouses especially if you've been married for uh, any amount of time our spouse knows us better than anybody else besides ourselves and God uh, so she's that she's going to be that third person and she knows she knows which button to push she knows where my insecurities lie and if she wants to, if she wants to uh, have the maximum effect of her accusation, uh, she knows which realm to choose. And I'm, you know, I just can't resist it. I, I, I have a really hard time, uh, especially when it's on spiritual subjects. I have a really t hard time with my anger when accused uh, of, for example impure motives or 
or selfishness or anything, especially when it has to do with body life, with the, uh, the life of the gathering in the church and the assembly. Um, and a lot of it is because, yeah, I, I have insecurities there, but that's also probably where most, I don't know if I can say most, but possibly that's where most of my energy goes, uh, as, as, as far as thought and you know, hopes and, and my heart is in the life of the gathering and how well that goes. And uh, I'm also, you know, a Well, I don't know what I am, but anyway, we, we have had a, a gathering in our in our house for some years now, and so I, I hesitate to say I'm a leader because I know that a lot of people, when they hear leader, they, they think of it in a human way. I really try not to be a leader based on human principles, uh, but based on principles of, of the sacrificial servant, self-denying uh, type of leader of the upside-down kingdom as modeled by Jesus and the apostles. And that, that's really what I want to be. <laughs> um, that's what I try to be. Uh, I don't achieve that always. So... Anger, what do you do with it? You know, how, how can we how can we learn what our buttons are and either avoid them or condition ourselves so that we will have a more positive, a more Christ-like response. Uh, maybe we can look at how Christ responded uh, to accusations. One thing that Christ, Jesus, he, he never seemed to do was defend himself. Now, he defended the Word, and he, he defended uh, certain things that he believed, uh, especially when speaking with scribes or Pharisees or the, the, the teachers of the law. temple priests, the religious um, establishment of the day, he, of course, he did argue there. He argued with them about different things. Um, but it was never about himself. He never said, for example, you know, I am a good person, or I, you know, I would never do that. What, what you're accusing me of uh, is is against my character. I, I my character is flawless, or you know I have never sinned against God or man. You know he never pled his case. He never called himself perfect, uh, and he never tried to save face uh, or you know make sure that his reputation was upheld as a perfect. 
he really didn't go there. Now, he, he did argue about points of the law that were uh, important, um, and, but he didn't defend himself. And so when, you know, there, there are times that somehow he slipped away from crowds who were going to uh, try to stone him, or, you know, there are times that he ran away from trouble because it was not yet his time. He knew how he had to die. But he really didn't feel like he had to defend himself. Quite the opposite, actually. I, I think, you know, when it, when, when it came down to his trial before Pilate and before Herod, uh, and even before the Sanhedrin, he could have, he could have uh, pled for um, mercy because of his innocence, because he was innocent. But he didn't. He, he just knew what his mission was, and he also realized that death would not be the end of him. That his death meant life for many, many, many people, for many, many, many years to come. Um, so, this idea that we have to defend Jesus, or defend the Bible, or defend each other, or to defend our uh, denomination, um, there just isn't really a lot of biblical principle for it, uh, and especially not Jesus' principle, and that's the, that's the most important principle there is. So, yeah, anger. You don't need to get angry when you are attacked. You don't need to get angry when you see sin. That's what the world does. That's what people without Jesus do. Um, that's what humans do, whether they know Jesus or not. Humans continue to sin. Uh, you know, how many, how many church leaders have fallen um, from grace because of public scandals of uh, you know this and that whether it's embezzlement or uh, adultery uh, or you know whatever it may be uh, a fairly recent case was about a leader and even a church planter who planted a huge church uh was really about his beliefs and his approach and his, his, um, you know, the church just felt he had gone off uh, in a direction that they could not support him, so he lost his position. Um, and I think there was some pride and arrogance issues there. Uh, but there's no need for us to get angry, you know. Again, what is the nature of anger? <clears throat> and what does it accomplish? What does anger accomplish? You know, we have something called the uh, killer instinct that we consider a virtue in sports. And, you know, being American, I, I've grown up in a very competitive way as far as, uh, you know, whatever it is, games, sports, um, and even... Bible knowledge, you know, that's that's part of the denomination I grew up in was, you know, who can who can whack the other guy over the head with the bigger scripture. Um, 
the idea of debate. And so this idea of killer instinct, uh, and it's not a very appropriate movie, so I'll probably show my true colors by quoting it, but the movie Dodgeball has a scene where the dodgeball coach uh, tells the worst player on the team, who's the only one left on the floor, and so everything's at stake, he tells him, you gotta get mean, you gotta get angry. And what he's saying is, you can't win unless you're angry. And it's kind of hard to disagree with him. I, you know, competition to dominate the other team or another player in any sport, you know, that, that idea of dominating comes from the, the Latin uh, dominum or dominus, which is lord, right? So to dominate means to lord it over somebody, to to rule them. And we use that word in sports. You know, Michael Jordan was was a, the most dominant player of his generation, for example, we'd say. And what that means is he had enough killer instinct, enough, you know, anger burning in his belly to take it to the other team. Uh, in a way that really showed no mercy, and you know, Jordan Jordan was not known for his um, sportsmanship. He wasn't known for his kindness. Uh, he wasn't known for uh, being likable either by his teammates or by his opponents. He was a fierce competitor, and that that fierce word calls forth. The anger needed, again, to dominate your opponent. America is a very competitive society. A lot, a lot of countries are, but uh, America is. Uh, I think I can speak for that. And competition, the idea of being competitive, is something that we see as a virtue in many realms. Whether that's in the classroom, in the business world, uh, on the basketball court, uh, you know, even with children's sports, you know, we, we strive to be the best and we drive our children to be the best they can be. And often that means dominating somebody else. Uh, and so we, we would say that well-placed anger is a virtue. We, we would applaud that. Yeah, you flunked that test? Well, yeah, you should be mad at yourself. Get mad. Do better. You know, I, you know what? I, I think I'm quoting myself there. I think maybe I've even said that to my, to my daughters. Which shows you how new these concepts are to me. But that idea of competition is not a virtue you find In Jesus, for sure. You know, he, he never, you never hear him, you know, give somebody a high five when he got more disciples than John the Baptist, or when he outlived John the Baptist, or, it's <laughs> kind of a morbid thing to say, but anyway, as far as we know, Jesus wasn't competitive. He, it wasn't a, a virtue, um, at least not enough for him to talk about. 
you really don't, you know, you don't hear any competitive language in the Bible, you know. Do unto others as long as you do better than them, <laughs> for example. Or uh, love your enemy after you beat them. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit who also beat their enemies. Um, there just isn't, you know, everything in the New Testament is, you know, it shows that Jesus had an aversion to competition. He says he has come to give us life that you may have it more abundantly. Everything about Jesus that he had to offer was abundantly offered to everyone who would have it. There was an abundance. There was enough for everyone. No need to fight over it. No need for us to, to have a competition for who gets to heaven first. There's plenty for all. Jesus said in my Father's house, there are, there are many rooms. So we have to be, we really need to start looking at ourselves. And I'm a competitive person. I played basketball and, and other sports and, you know, I love competition. You know, in your face, is, I probably invented that. No, I'm sure I didn't, but, you know, that was a big basketball thing back in the 80s when I was growing up, you know, when somebody would shoot uh, or score the ball in a way that dominated the defender. That's what it was. Oh, that was in his face. And that's where the high fives come out. <clears throat> um, so we really need to start looking deeply and honestly at ourselves, finding out where anger exists, find out where we are excusing it in ourselves, and begin to work on that, you know, begin to, to figure out in what way uh, am I lowering the esteem of Jesus in the eyes of the world through my competitiveness or through my anger, you know, what is, what is the effect of my anger? on the reputation of Jesus and his body. What does it do? What is it saying? What does it say about Jesus? And if what it says uh, is not how Jesus would represent himself, then we've got a problem. Now, am I, am I saying we shouldn't do sports? No, of course not. Paul has references to sports and, you know, racing and running to, to get the prize. And he, never, he never, you know, <clears throat> says that we should run in a way to dominate our opponent. He doesn't say that. So yeah, anger, and anger is something that, wow, it's just a prevalent mainstay in the church. It's something that 
you know, I remember my parents dealing with growing up. <coughs> so-and-so's offended about this, or so-and-so's offended about that. And actually, I'm sure my parents were people who were offended about this or that at times. I know, you know, from myself, I know that I've been uh, offended by things that have happened in the church. And we feel that our anger is justified when we are offended. Truth is, we need to decide to not be offended. We need to learn to be unoffendable as Jesus was. Uh, and he really was. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of. Um, there are a lot of references. There were a lot of chances that Jesus could have set the record straight or you know he could have he could have uh, you know been really upset uh, we do see him saying things like oh ye of little faith when will you learn but we don't know you know we don't know exactly how he said those words you know he could have said it you know just like a mother would to a baby you know are you ever going to grow up are you going to grow up you know, it could have been very kind, somewhat condescending, I suppose, but, you know, his job was to prepare those guys to function in his absence and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's what we should be prepared to do as well. So, anger. I'd love to hear your, your comments on whether... There is a good kind of anger, or whether there might be a more constructive way to react, both for for the the peace and the sake of the body, and for your own peace of mind. You know, is, some, is there something that's better? Is there a way that you know, if you could see yourself as unoffendable, if if no matter what anybody said or did. You were untouchable as far as being offended. If you could see yourself that way, I'm sure you could see that there would there could be a lot of happiness in that. That that could be a very happy position to be in. Um, so yeah, uh, I think I'm gonna cut it off right there. Uh, hopefully, I have a follow up to this. When I finish both books, maybe um, at least one will be done by next week. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Till then, enjoy the podcasts. And uh, just wish many blessings upon you. Bye for now.